0: The golf.com podcast is brought to you by FreshBooks. For freelancers and small business owners, FreshBooks takes the pain out of accounting. Have a question about the service? A real live human will answer every call in about three rings. Get your 30-day free trial by going to freshbooks.com slash golf and entering golf.
1: I just can't tell you how impressed I am with Phil Mickelson and he always seems to forge new ground, he's always looking for new ways to improve himself. It doesn't, it doesn't surprise me at all to see Phil Mickelson still in the mix. I, I think he's going to be in the mix come, come uh, the Masters, I think he's going to really have a great chance to win. So many times I go into places and, and I, I'm ordering a beer or ordering dinner or doing something and people will recognize my voice and say hey you're the guy on Golden Tea. And so many times people come up to me and they say, hey, Peter, how you doing? Good to see you. Man, I hate you on Golden Tee because you are, <laughs> you are so, you are so mean to my shots. <laughs> so I tell them, I say, I apologize. Um, maybe you should hit better shots.
0: Hello and welcome to the golf.com podcast. I'm Jeff Ritter. My guest this week is a fixture of NBC's golf coverage as an analyst on the course and in the broadcast booth. He's also a Champions Tour player, a seven-time winner on the PGA Tour, and the voice of a popular golf video game that you can find in any sports bar. I am, of course, referring to Golden Tee. I love that game. I can't wait to talk to him more about it. It is Peter Jacobson. I'm happy to welcome him to the podcast. Peter, how are you? I'm good, Jeff. Good morning to you. How, how's everything going? Everything is great here. First thing I want to ask you about, I, I know you were in the field last weekend at the Champions Tour event. Uh, Bernhard Langer won it, but you had to pull out with uh, with flu-like symptoms. Are you doing okay now? This flu bug's been going around New York. It sounds like it's going around everywhere now.
1: Well, yeah, I'm, I'm better. I'm actually going to go see the doctor later today. Uh, my wife and I both have this bug. We've had it for a week. I uh, I got it on Tuesday last week and I I struggled I played the pro ams Wednesday and Thursday and I played Friday the first round but I just couldn't finish and uh it, you know how that is when it when you get sick there's really no reason to go out there and do anything so yeah I had to withdraw from the Chubb Classic which was tough right here in my hometown of Naples, Florida. So I've been in bed. I've been in bed like oh, a man. good boy, and uh, I'm I'm getting better slowly but surely.
0: All right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on to the podcast today and, and playing hurt. We'll uh, hopefully we don't hopefully you don't have to exert yourself too much over the over the rest of this. I wanted to ask you first about the biggest story in golf that's happening right now. It's Phil Mickelson. He was second place last week at Pebble. He's had a few top fives now over the last eighteen months, but but Pebble was really his first. True chance to win since the 2013 British Open. What do you do? You think Phil bounces back from Pebble and is is he suddenly back on the short list of favorites as we move on to Augusta? I I just
1: can't tell you how impressed I am with Phil Mickelson. And ever since Phil came on the PGA Tour, don't forget he won a tour event when he was at Arizona State. He won as an amateur. Yep. Phil has always been one of the most. Um, he, uh, knowledgeable guys about the game of golf he he always seems to forge new ground he's always looking for new ways to improve himself whether it's with his club testing or with uh, different lofts and lies on his clubs a different combination of clubs in his bag remember he went I believe he played at Augusta one year with uh, with two three woods one that went left to right and one that went right to left That's so right. it doesn't it doesn't surprise me at all to see Phil Mickelson still in the mix. I know he's gone through uh, transformation with his body. I know a couple years ago he really worked on on strengthening his body, strengthening his core and getting leaner and working hard on his game with his new instructor. So I actually watched the final round of the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am and watched Phil hit that very courageous shot at 17, make a tough putt, and then almost hit the green in two on 18 hit a hit a, a you know for him yeah. it wasn't a great pitch mm-hmm. normally you expect phil to either knock it in or knock it a couple of feet from the hole but he had a makeable putt and the camera angle was perfect uh, and i thought he hit a pretty good putt it looked to me like he put it on the left left edge of the of the cup and it's got to go a little bit right and it caught the lip and spun out and i know it was depressing and, and frustrating for phil but i was very happy to see him play so well and and you knew that he was going to handle it like a champ yeah uh, as he did he's uh you know he's one of the most he's one of the greatest ambassadors i think we've uh, the game of golf has ever seen and um i, I think he's going to be in the mix come come uh, the masters i think he's going to really have a great chance to win
0: what do you think what is what do you see that's different about him this year what is it that he suddenly unlocked to become to get himself back into contention these last couple months
1: Well, I think it's his passion. I had a chance to talk to him at the uh, Waste Management Phoenix Open. I walked a few holes in the Pro-Am with him, and I asked him what he's working on, and he said basically keeping the club on plane. He had a tendency to yank the club a little bit inside and got it under the plane going away, and then he'd have to reroute in the backswing and get it back on plane, and then that caused him to come down a little bit steep into the ball and then at impact, he had to save it with his hands. Yeah. And I know that's a technical way of uh, uh, di- discussing what he did. but So he's got the club a little bit more on play and going away. And you can really see it. when you, If you know his golf swing, you can see it. His takeaway is a little bit straighter back and a little bit more up uh, going away. So I think what he has is what we all look for. Every, every golfer at every level and every age looks for that that exciting new tip, which really Mm -hmm. ignites your passion, whether it's putting, chipping, driving, iron play, it doesn't matter. When you get a tip, kind of like that pot at the end of the rainbow that gives you that aha moment, like, ooh, I got it. Mm -hmm. You can't wait to get to the range. You can't wait to hit the next shot. And I think that's where Phil is right now. And and evidence uh, it showed right there at Pebble Beach that that I I think he's really got a great – a great feel for what he's doing
0: right now, and I think he's going to play well the rest of the year. We we sell a lot of magazines based on golfers looking for that one tip, <laughs> so I, most of our listeners could relate to that. I think it's going to be fun to watch Phil. It's great. It's fun to have him back around and and back in the mix, especially as we as we now start the road that leads to Augusta. Uh, I wanted to ask you also about golf's big three. When you were when we last spoke, you were in the studio last fall. We had a fun afternoon. Uh, chatting about this, the idea of Rory, uh, Jordan Spieth, and and Jason Day as this new big three. And you suggested at the time that we need to expand the big three to the big five to include both Ricky Fowler and Bubba Watson. And I wanted to bring this up not only to give you a chance to take a victory lap because Ricky Fowler certainly has come on since then and, and really knocked down the door to at least make it a big four, but I wanted to ta- see if you could take it a step further. So if we if we agree that those are your five elite players. Those are the five that have sort of separated themselves today. If there's one thing that I've learned living in New York City and riding the subways every morning, there's always room for one more on the train. If you had to expand this to six, is there another guy that you see uh, who's coming on, who might, who might be in the discussion before this season's up as, as that sixth member of the cast of, of the super elite?
1: Well, it's it's pretty easy, and I think people are going to probably say, oh, well, he's saying this just because uh, he won at Phoenix. He beat Fowler in a playoff. But I think everybody that follows the game of golf, and, and certainly all of us in television that have a chance to watch, we're all impressed with Hideki Matsuyama, mm-hmm. the young 22- or 23-year-old from Japan. The, the kid just seems to have it. I remember when I watched him at the President's Cup a few years ago, and then when he won a memorial last year, and then at the Phoenix Open, uh, he didn't seem to have his best stuff at Phoenix, but he hung in there. And, and what impresses me more about a player, and, and that's why I've always been impressed with players like Mickelson, players like Tiger Woods, uh, and, and obviously the current guys like Spieth and and, and Fowler and Day and McElroy, is, is that they hang in without their best stuff. And and it, it's easy to to, to play great with your best stuff but how do you do when you have an off day and as a former tour player i know that you can put three good rounds together but it's that fourth round how well do you do on an off day Mm -hmm. if you can make your off day a 70 or 71 then you have a chance to win if that off day turns into a 74 or 75 you're not going to win hideki matsuyama impresses me in all aspects of the game. So I would probably put him in there right now uh, in terms of the of the big six. But there's also another player which I'm really high on is Kevin Kisner. Really? He's the current FedEx Cup points leader. Yep, yep. Uh, I've known Kevin for a long time. In fact, he caddied for me when he was a junior player when um, I was doing an event in South Carolina when uh, w- when I was on the tour. I've known him a long time. He's a great young man. But he's also very smart. He learns, and that's the most important thing as a tour player. You really need to learn from your mistakes and learn from other players. That's why it's important to to, to play practice rounds with the best players because you can pick up their tendencies. Some work for you, some don't. But I would put Kisner in there. I think Kevin Kisner is going to have a great year, and I think you're going to see Kevin uh, start to pop up on major championship leaderboards, we've already seen him win. We watched him mm-hmm. lose in three playoffs last year, but he also won last year. So, uh, or I should say, it was this season, but it was last year. But yeah, I I'd put Matsuyama in the big six right now, and and and, Kez, and Kevin Kisner certainly in the on deck circle.
0: The two interesting picks. I, I was thinking about Matsuyama, but you're the first person I've, I've talked to that would put Kisner possibly in that class as, as on the rise. I had, one, I had one name. I had one name to throw out. Uh, it may not be as exciting as the two that you've suggested, but just from a st- statistical perspective, I think I have the guy that with one win could make this a big six. We always forget him. We always forget talking about him, and it's Martin Keimer if he wins one major this year, that's three. So to me, I, I, you know, he doesn't have maybe the consistency of, of some of those guys. He, he tends to just kind of pop up and then disappear. But I, I sort of felt like a three-time major winner. If he were able to do that this year, that would, that would sort of automatically give him a seat on the bus. What, what do you think about that? Am I, am I crazy yeah. or is he too inconsistent to, to even, even with one major, is that not enough? No, no, no. I don't think you're crazy at all. Let's not forget
1: that that inconsistency is the nature of the game of golf. <laughs> uh, you can take players uh, from every generation, and they're going to go through their highs and their lows. You just want to make sure that your lows aren't that low. Uh, you, you don't want to have a, a low like a Steve Stricker. when Remember when Steve was, literally lost his card and was almost out of the game, and he came back and Steve became one of the, the best players in the world and one of the most consistent players in the world and inconsistency and, and the lows can be attributed to a lot of things. Uh, uh new family, uh, injury, uh, loss of passion, loss of interest, things like that. But, but I agree. I think both Martin Keimer and another name that I've thrown in there, Henrik Stenson, mm. these are two of the, of uh, the best ball strikers, that we have in the world of golf. They have excellent golf swings. Uh, They're great tacticians around the golf course too. They don't get too high. They don't get too low emotionally on the golf course. And it's hard to find fault with any part of their golf game. I'll throw another name at you since we're playing the name game here. Let's do it. Uh, Brant, Brant Snedeker, Mm -hmm. another guy who obviously has played well this year. He had a a first, second and a third in his uh, first three starts of the year. But there's another guy who you can't deny his short game. The guy's short game when he's on, when he's uh, when he's feeling it, uh, it really doesn't matter how he hits it or where he hits it. You know he's always going to get the ball up and down, and and that's the one thing that I really love about about Brandt's game is he eliminates bogeys. As tour players, I think we all get focused on making birdies and eagles, and and, and we all want to be have that sexy part of our game to where we. We, uh, we can say, yeah, I made seven birdies in an eagle today. Yeah, but what did you shoot? How many bogeys did you make? And that's the one thing that I always focus on, especially when I'm talking to young players on tour, is basically pointing out that if you have a good ball hitting day, you're going to hit 13, 14, maybe 15 greens around What do you do with those two, three, four, five greens that you miss? Mm-hmm. Do you make bogeys or do you make pars or possibly – Chip one in for a birdie. So, I, I would throw. I, I think I think Keimer and Stenson are uh, are great picks, and so is so is uh, a Branson Eder.
0: Before we continue, I want to pause for one quick note from our sponsor, FreshBooks. As podcasters, we appreciate the value of time, your time specifically. So, if you're a freelancer or small business owner, stop wasting your time hunched over your accounts. Let FreshBooks do the heavy lifting, so you can get out and grow your business. FreshBooks is cloud accounting software designed exclusively for service-based small business owners. It's the personal accountant you've always needed right in your pocket. FreshBooks is fast. You can create and send an invoice in 30 seconds. It's easy for customers to pay online, and FreshBooks clients get paid five days faster than average. Have a question about the service? Just contact their award-winning support team and get help from real live humans. They answer every call in about three rings. No phone tree, no, let me escalate that. No, I'll get back to you. Just helpful service at the drop of a hat. Right now, FreshBooks is offering my listeners 30 days of unrestricted use, totally free, and you don't need a credit card to sign up to get this 30 day trial. Just go to freshbooks.com slash golf and enter golf in the, how you heard about us" section that's freshbooks.com slash golf and enter promo code golf. One more name I want to throw at you before we move on. I think Dustin Johnson is a unique case. He's come so close in majors. uh, His past is complicated by the leave of absence that he took uh, earlier last year. Do you think he's a guy that's ready to break through, or are you concerned that maybe the the scar tissue is starting to add up a little bit with DJ?
1: I definitely think this is Dustin Johnson's year. I I said earlier in one of the broadcasts this year from – from Kapalua at the Hyundai tournament of champions that I think that Dustin Johnson is going to win a major. And I stick by that. I don't know which one it's going to be, but I I do believe that Dustin is uh, resilient enough to bounce back. I love his game. Uh, I, I love the way, well, he obviously bombs it off the tee, but he's got great touch. He's a good putter. And I think the focus is there. He does have some, scar tissue scar tissue from his past but I also believe that that he can throw that away and he can get over that and win big I think when he starts winning I think he's gonna win a lot of tournaments but I'm gonna go on record and say I think he's gonna win a major championship this year
0: yeah he's just such an interesting case because he always wins once he's won one tournament a year now for eight or nine consecutive years but he hasn't had a season yet where he's won two. It just You feel like that breakout's always coming with him, but it just hasn't gotten there yet. I agree with you. I think this is a big year for him. Uh, certainly he could win any of the four. Let me ask you this, uh, Jake. If you were to, if you were to take a, hop in a time machine and fast forward to the end of the year, we've hit a lot of big names now. We're probably up to close to 10 guys who we see as uh, elite players or potentially elite. Who's, who's the number one ranked player in the world on December 31st of this year? Who has the crown at the time this year is done?
1: Uh, that's a good question, but but I also said before the year started that I thought that Rory McIlroy was going to come back and be number one at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, the talk was all about Jordan Spieth. And and this is part of the, the horse race aspect of when you have a big three, big four, big five, big six, whatever, whatever you want to say. When you watch a horse race, when you watch a Kentucky Derby, somebody takes the early lead and then somebody jockey's position uh, around the first turn around the second turn and when they're coming for home they start sprinting. I think the conversation being about Jordan last year, he won two majors and and was the undisputed number 1 player in the world. If you if you are a great player and you while you respect your opponents, you want that crown. You want mm-hmm. to be back at number 1 and I think Rory's injury last year which really slowed him and kept him from defending a couple of his major titles, I, I think that bothered him. And I think he, he's now engaged. He's, he's got some clarity in his life. I really think uh, that, that Rory's going to be back at number one. I've seen the videos that he's been doing where he's working in the gym. Powerlifting. Uh, he's, oh, I'm telling you, it's <laughs> impressive to see. I remember when Rory first came on, on tour, he, he, was, he was just this young guy. Uh, And now he looks like he looks like he can play cornerback in the NFL. The guy is cut. He is fit. And I think mentally he's ready to regain number one. So again, I'll go out of the limb and say that I think at the end of this year, McElroy is going to be number one.
0: Yeah, I think I'm with you. Uh, It was a year ago. We were in the Rory McElroy era. You know, it was him and him alone. And then all of a sudden, Spieth and then Jason Day take these steps forward. And Rory spent spent the better part of the summer on the bench with that ankle injury. Uh, I agree, health health permitting, and there's no reason to think he had he's anything lingering from last year. He's got all the motivation in the world. I, I like him too for a bounce back this year. I'm, I'm the board. other thing
1: too, Jeff. The other thing is is uh, I, as I said about the horse race. I, I think what's going to be fun to watch is you're going to be you're going to be we're going to be seeing McElroy and Jason Day and Jordan Spieth and Fowler and Dustin Johnson and Bubba Watson and all the players we mentioned, Hideki Matsuyama, we're going to see them all kind of putting their nose in front and then the other player putting their nose in front of them. I think at the end of the year, I think we could see maybe four or five guys all within – uh, shouting distance of each other being number one, which is going to lead into the next season uh, with, with, again, we talk about the big three, four, five. Maybe it's going to be a big eight going into wow. next season. We, we, we just don't know. But there's, there's that much talent around the world. There's another kid who's coming, uh, Siwoo Kim, who had a good chance uh, at the Sony Open. He's young. He's young. He's 20 years old. He has got an incredible golf swing and, and and massive talent. So again, there's just so much talent around the world. It's a great time to be
0: uh, to be a viewer of golf. Siwoo Kim. That's a bonus sleeper pick uh, for the show for the show today. <laughs> do you think? Do you like this era? This this horse race for number one. We're coming out of a very different time where it was sort of it was Tiger Woods and everybody else. You had one dominant player. Uh, Maybe Mickelson was a rival but really for so long Tiger Woods had a stranglehold on the number one ranking do you think this horse race is good for golf or do you think golf would maybe benefit from having one star emerge and, and sort of become maybe step forward as, as a global uh, star and ambassador for the game or do you, do you like the 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 horse race well I do like the horse race you arguments could be made both ways remember when Tiger was number
1: one and dominating I don't think TV ratings have ever been higher, and uh, the excitement when Tiger would play was 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 incredible. But don't forget the the other side of the coin is is that when Tiger wouldn't play, uh, ratings would go down, and people would be upset because Tiger wasn't there. And that's all the talk was that why isn't Tiger here? Uh, Tiger's not here, so there's no reason to watch. So in that respect, I, I really like the fact that we've got five six seven eight guys that are all jockeying for number one because look you can't play every week we all know that we all hope these guys play every week but if spieth and day aren't playing maybe maybe fowler and bubba and McElroy are playing and vice versa as we go week to week so i personally as a as a broadcaster as a player and as a golf fan i like to see i like having five six seven guys that are that are uh, very marketable
0: and very attractive to the general public. I also wonder if if the Tiger phenomenon can even be repeated if somebody if one of those guys did emerge. I'm still not sure they could there is a, a one person who could drive TV ratings like Tiger used to. Like for example, if Jordan Speed did win the Grand Slam last year, let's just say I'm still not sure that that it would it would have created the same phenomenon that Tiger Woods was in his prime. You know what I mean? I, I, it would have been an amazing story, and certainly everybody inside of golf. And it would have had a lot of crossover appeal. But I'm not sure that Spieth, even if if even if he had won a Grand Slam, if he would if he alone could become a, a TV ratings driver and 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 sort of have the the spotlight on him, I'm not sure if Tiger the Tiger Woods uh, era. Is even capable of being repeated by anybody? At least not not by this group. Yeah, the one thing that happens when you have a player like
1: a Tiger Woods or even a Jordan Spieth, when when they they are are so attractive to the public and they and they get, they garner so much attention, is everybody wants to know what they're going to do the next year. Mm-hmm. And I, I, the one thing that impresses me so much about Jack Nicholas and about Faldo and about Tiger is they could take the huge expectations and, and meet them. And that's the difficult part about being number one. And I think the challenge for Spieth right now, being number one, is dealing with expectations. You've got so many more responsibilities. You've got, you're you're going to have to have a press conference every week. You're going to have to do interviews. You're going to have uh, fans wanting to have your autograph. So your time no longer becomes your own and you've got to be a better manager of your time. And I think we saw that with Tiger, certainly with Nicholas. Uh, They really did such a great job of managing their time and managing the expectations that that is the real challenge for Jordan right now. We've Mm -hmm. seen him play, I think, in four countries already this year, maybe three or four countries all over the world. And and that's fantastic to take your talents and, and help grow the game from a worldwide perspective. But now that Jordan gets back to the United States and starts focusing his attention on defending at Augusta, that's the big challenge right here. Not, not hitting the ball in the fairway, making putts, none of that. It all has to do with expectations. Everybody's going to expect him to win at Augusta. He expects himself to win. And if he does, fantastic. But if he doesn't, where does he go from there in terms of uh, frustrations along with those
0: expectations? Before we continue, a note about another great podcast at Sports Illustrated, the SI Media Podcast. This week, host Richard Deitch talks with ESPN's Holly Rowe about her second cancer diagnosis and also what it's like for qualified over 40 women to lose their jobs in sports media to younger candidates. That's this week on the SI Media Podcast with Richard Deitch, find it on iTunes, Stitcher, or at si.com slash podcasts. And with that, back to my conversation with Peter Jacobson. I'd like to, Peter, pivot away from the tour just for a minute and uh, I wanted to start with a confession. The sound of your voice does sometimes make me like subconsciously hungry for chicken wings and thirsty for beer. And the reason for that is because I associate your voice still with Golden Tee video game. I played it at at the bars for many years. I love this game and I didn't realize until uh, I was preparing for this podcast that you were in on it from the beginning, that in 1989 Golden Tee was known as Peter Jacobson's Golden Tee. How did you get hooked up with this from the beginning? You were way ahead of the curve putting your name on a game that's become uh, really, I think it grows in popularity every year. How did this all start for you?
1: Well, back when I was living in Portland, Oregon, where I was born and raised, I received a call from these these uh, fantastic people from Chicago, company known as Incredible Technologies, and they still uh, they still are, are doing some great great things today. They asked if I'd be involved in in a new game, a parlor game about golf called Golden Tee, and and I jumped at the opportunity because I love these these fun opportunities and. I remember the first couple of years I went into a studio and I was actually the early games. I was actually the model. I was the, the little, the little avatar, the Uh little guy. And to uh, all you did was change color of shirt and and pants and shoes. But I was the guy making the swing. They have since obviously technology has exploded to where you can pick, you can pick anybody you want on, on this games. But it was, a, it was a novelty to me. I thought this is a fun way to get involved in something that is involved in golf but different than golf. And uh, as, as it has exploded over the years, here we are in 2016. So many times I go into places and, and I, I'm ordering a beer or ordering dinner or doing something, and people will recognize my voice and say, hey. You're the guy on Golden Tee. Uh, originally, the, uh, we had a team of Pat Summerall and I. We, mm-hmm. were, the, we were the host and the analyst for Golden Tee. And since now, uh, Jim Nance and I do it together. And so many times, it's funny you mentioned that, that, that my voice or the sound of my voice makes you hungry. So many times when I do the voiceovers for Golden Tee, um, I read all these reactions that an analyst would have to a shot. And a lot of them are positive, and a lot of them are negative. And so many times, I think they they program in a negative or a, or a smart aleck answer. And so many times, people come up to me and they say, "Hey, Peter, how you doing? Good to see you, man. I hate you on Golden Tee because you are <laughs> you are so you are so mean to my shots." <laughs> so I tell them, I say, I apologize. Um, maybe you should hit better shots. <laughs>
0: How much, how much re-recording do you, how much work is this for you every year? How many times do you have to go into the booth every year and say, that dog will hunt Jim or whatever whatever it is?
1: Yeah. Yeah. What I I like a little scotch with that water and things like that. (laughs) I go into a soundproof booth and we record these, these voiceovers, Jim does it and I do it and they program it into the game. And it's, um, it's fun to be a part of that. And I really love it when people come up to me and say, Hey, you're the golden tea guy. Uh, I wish you were nicer to me when you, when I hit a bad shot. And I say, look, I I'm sorry. I there's nothing I can do about that.
0: Yeah, tell them to keep practicing. Deposit another yeah, ten just, bucks and uh, work work through those swing uh, swing issues. Absolutely.
1: Just pop, <laughs> keep popping in those quarters and those dollars, and and we'll work to make a hole in
0: one on as many holes as possible. What are you recognized the most for? Would you say Golden Tee, NBC, or or your pro golf career, which of the three happens the most for you?
1: Well, at this point, I would say it's my NBC broadcasting career, Mm -hmm. but probably, uh, I was tied. I would say golden tea and my, my golf career. One of the things you realize after a while as a player on the PGA tour, that as you, as you move on from your PGA tour career to the champions tour, uh, people, people really, remember you uh, for major championships which i never won i never won a major on the pga tour i have won major championships on the champions tour but but it isn't the same and and that's the one thing that i, I everybody says you're remembered by your championships your major championships whether you win the open masters british open or u.s open um, and, and that's really true uh, the average fan will know you as a major champion because quite honestly these are those are, the, those are the, the, the big events. that's what everybody happens to watch. but mm-hmm. the good thing is is um, I guess if they remember you at all, uh, that's a good thing whether it's for your PJ Tour golf, your your Golden Tee, NBC or even people come up to me too. I used to have a rock and roll band with Peen Stewart and Mark Lie We were called Jake Trout and the Flounders. <laughs> so we had uh, we have a couple albums on iTunes too, which is a great great way to remember our good pal Peen Stewart. So a lot of people, music lovers, know me as uh, Jake Trout of Jake Trout and the Flounders. So uh, it's it's fun to be it's fun to be connected in a lot of different areas in the game of golf.
0: And Jake Trout and the Ball Washers got together for a recent video too. I saw that during the Phoenix Open. That was that was a fun one. You put together a music yep. video and everything. That was very cool. And your daughter, you. yeah, your daughter was, Amy, can the... really sing. By the way, what's that? Your daughter Amy, she can really sing. She's she great. can really sing.
1: Yeah. My whole goal in writing that song and putting the video together was to get my daughter on there because, uh, I know uh, she's been a singer her whole life. And, uh, actually she has an album out on iTunes too, but it was, a uh, it was a fun opportunity for her to get down there with, uh, with some buddies of mine from Austin, the Braun brothers. Uh, they have a couple of bands down there too, reckless Kelly and Mickey and the motor car. So we all kind of collaborate on these things and, that was really a lot of fun to do.
0: Yeah, good names too for these bands. I wanna, I wanna ask you one more thing before we go. Uh, we're at tours in Riviera this week, and then you hit the road for six straight weeks. Uh, NBC has the six events leading up to the Masters. You've got the Florida Swing plus two more. Uh, Mickelson's in those first two Florida events. What, what stop are you most looking forward to as we hit this stretch leading up to Augusta? Well, I would say first of all probably the honda classic because it's our first one
1: but what has happened with that event is is one of the great success stories on the pga tour it's at uh, pga national down there in palm beach gardens what the jack nicholas foundation has done with that event they really have a uh such a such a, a great energy around that event now it's probably the the highest attended event in the uh in this Florida swing other than the uh, other other than the players championship up at uh, Ponte Vedra mm-hmm. beach. But it is, it, it, it's very exciting to be able to see. And then probably the next one uh, would be the Arnold Palmer invitational because all the players have a chance to get back to Orlando and have a chance to see Arnold. And for me personally, to see Arnold driving around the golf course with, uh, with his wife, Kit, he's out there every day. He's out there yeah. driving around the golf course, Saying hi to fans, he gets on the range. He talks to the players, and uh, arguably Arnold Palmer is the greatest player, the greatest, the greatest personality, the greatest ambassador the game has ever known. So it's just a real feel-good moment whenever you have a chance to shake Arnold's hand or just see him on the on property. So the Arnold Palmer Invitational to me is always always a favor because Arnold was my hero, and I think he's probably a lot of players and a lot of golf fans' hero. Uh, and probably the reason they got into the game
0: do you have any arnie stories from over the years chances times that you've spent with him any any oh gosh stick out arnold
1: arnold and i played uh in so many events as partners i was honored to be his partner in probably 30 best ball tournaments over the years And and for me just growing up my father was a huge palmer fan i was a palmer fan and then for me to get on the PGA Tour and to be able to to say that Arnold is my friend and my partner in so many events is uh, it, it still it still kind of boggles my mind as I look back on it. But but I learned more from Jack. I uh, learn more from Arnold. I've had two great partners in my in my career. I played with Jack Lemon at the AT&T as my partner for 20 years, and I played with Arnold Palmer in in so many tournaments. So. Those two, those two people taught me more about about life, and about how to be a golf professional, uh, more than anybody. The one great story I'll tell you before we go, and I'm sorry to be long-winded on this. No, it's okay. Arnold I and I stories. did, Arnold and I did an exhibition, at uh, at uh, Annandale Golf Club in um, in in California, in Pasadena. And we did this every year with Pat Riley and always, and, and usually an LPGA champion, Nancy Lopez, Patty Sheehan, uh, Jan Stevenson. And when we got done, there was always this uh, reception and there were all these hats and flags that were laid out for our signature. Well, when you sign 30 or 40 or 50 hats in a row, you get a little sloppy with your signature. So I was signing these, these hats, and at one point, Arnold stopped grabbed a hat and shoved it in my face and said, what is that? I said, that's my signature. He says, that is terrible. That is sloppy. He said, you can be sloppy with a signature if you're signing a contract or a check to the bank, but if you're signing a piece of memorabilia, you sign it so that person can read it. Mm -hmm. And ever since that day, I don't sign my name. I draw my name because when you see Arnold Palmer's signature on a hat or a flag or a or a, a, a card it's like a stamp yeah and and I, I that's one lesson I've learned from Arnold and I tell the story over and over again because it's so important when I go to tournaments and I sign a flag or a hat and I see other signatures they're they you, you can't tell who tell who they are they they aren't legible mm-hmm. and I think that's the biggest uh, That's the biggest problem we have with athletes today is when they sign their name, you got to make it so people know who it is. But that's a great lesson I learned from Arnold.
0: And coming from someone whose signature, uh, among the things that Arnold Palmer is is remembered for, his signature is iconic. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing in, in sports that looks like an Arnold Palmer signature. It always looks that's that, you know, he has that script that's recognizable, it's stamped on uh, just about every business venture he touches, you know, you see his signature. It, so. It's important. I think whether you're an athlete, whether you're a golfer, you're in any sport, I think it's important. You want to make
1: your signature your own. You want to be able to take your name and make it creative as possible. But make it legible. Make it so people don't have to, don't, don't have to guess as to who that was. Let people see how creative you are with your name. But people should read it, and that's the one That's one of about a hundred lessons I've learned from the great Arnold Palmer throughout my career.
0: That's a great That's a great story. Thanks for sharing that. It's a good lesson for all of us. We should all perfect our signatures. You never know. You never know if, <laughs> if you'll meet up someday. Uh, hey, Peter, thanks for joining us today. I know you're still not 100%, but uh, we really appreciate you taking the time out. and uh, Get some rest, and good luck with the Florida Swing. We'll be watching, and uh, we look forward to hearing you in the booth. You got it, Jeff. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. All the best. Take care. We'll talk again soon. Thanks again for listening to the golf.com podcast. Great stuff there from Peter Jacobson. Really enjoyed that. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. So episodes download automatically to your device. You can find us and other Sports Illustrated podcasts at si.com slash podcasts. Leave us a review and let us know what we're doing well and not so well. Until next time, I'm your host, Jeff Ritter.